<laughs> Hallelujah. Well, amen. I'm excited to be here. And it's, it's just exciting, you know, and I, I've said this before, and I count it a privilege. I just consider myself an instrument. I'm just a spokesman. I'm just a, a voice of the truth of what the Word of God says. The, the things that, I, the, that, that God has given me to share is not my words. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't write these words. But God gives pastors the privilege um, to share and to voice the truth in the Word of God. So I, I count it a privilege and an honor to stand here and just proclaim the truth of what the Word of God says. And um, I, I, there's no greater joy, I believe, than that. And we all have been given that, that privilege, if you're, if you're a believer, to speak the truth of what the Word of God says. But, um, you know, we're facing a lot of, a lot of issues. We, the world's always faced issues. Um, you know, really, if you think about it, I think the media has made the problems in the world more prevalent and, and more, you know, uh, in real time. You know, I, I think these problems have probably always existed, but we've never really had real-time coverage of the events literally as they're happening. I mean, it's right there. So, so, um, so I think a lot of times that makes us think that it's worse, but I, I think in reality it's probably not. We're just more aware of everything that is happening around us. But, you know, really, the, 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 I think the, the question that everyone wants to have answered is, what is the answer? In other words, what is the answer to solve the world's problems? You know, that, that, that's really, the, I think, the, if, if that, that's the question everyone's asking. And, you know, really, everybody has different solutions for the real challenges facing our world today. I mean, it's amazing when you, when you look at the things that we're faced with, how many different people have different ways of solving it? In other words, there's no, nobody's in unison, it seems. And, you know, if we look at COVID, and I've said this last week, um, this church does not deny the fact that COVID's real. There's a virus. We've always had viruses. Um, this one in particular does seem to be a little bit uh, more uh, strength, stronger and, and contagious and all, but um, we don't deny the fact that, that, that the COVID virus is a real thing, and it is impacting um, our community, our world, our nation, and even in this church, we, we've, had, we, we've had that. But, you know, really, what, what is the fix for this virus? What, what is the fix or for any virus? You know, and the, the, the world is telling us that, you know, social distancing is the answer. You know, if I stay six feet away from you, I'm going to be fine. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of those things. I'm just saying that the, the, the health community is not in unison on what it is that we need to do to solve the problem of COVID. They're not together. You can hear a million different things if you go to a million different places. Um, some people believe that wearing a face covering is, is the answer. Vaccines are the answer. But if the world was really honest with themselves, we've done all these things, and the problem not only persists, but it appears to be worsening. So I'm not saying that those things are wrong and they don't help, but, but, but they are not in, in and of itself the answer. So, you know, many people, including government, healthcare professionals, the CDC, all have many ideas, but none of them seem to be a viable, lasting, permanent solution to the problem. You know, what, you know, what is the permanent answer? What is the permanent solution to this virus? And then Lee mentioned that the Afghanistan, and it is, it's heartbreaking to see that. And especially if you were a military veteran that served over there in the last 20 years since 9-11, I'm sure your heart really breaks to see what's happening um, over there. And, 
you know, we, we, we are saddened and some of us, I think, are even angered when we look at the events unfolding for the, for the people in Afghanistan. It's, it's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching to see, to see those things um, unfold. And, you know, we ask ourselves, could the events that are happening, could they have been prevented? And yes, I believe they could have been prevented. However, the Taliban rule that, that is over there now that is beginning to bring destruction and death all throughout the people of, of Afghanistan, the Taliban have always existed. They've been there for several decades. So that their rule and their reign has been there for a long time. And, you know, the United States' desire to bring democracy to that part of the world, I believe, was a noble idea, but I believe it also was a little bit naive to think that we could go in there and really change uh, those people, uh, th th those, those people's... Um, give them democracy in just, just such a short period of time. So 20 years of fighting may have kept the enemy contained, but no matter how long the U.S. armed forces stay, it will never change men's hearts. Right. It'll, it'll never change the hearts of men. That, that's really what, 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 the, what, what the need is. And then we look at, and I'm just naming some, some headlines here. There's a lot of things I could have listed, but abortion obviously is a, is, is a big one. And, you know, laws in the Supreme Court elections, protests, you know, all these things I believe are necessary and effective. However, none have, eradic have eradicated the evil that feeds this monster to kill the most innocent in our society. All the solutions that man can present are at best temporary. And if you think about it, even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, which I pray every day that it is, but even if Roe v. Wade is overturned, guess what? Abortion is still going to exist. People are still going to try to find a way to murder their babies, to hide their pregnancy, to kill, to, to kill their babies. Abortion, abortion would still exist. So the question we have to ask ourselves as a church is, is the church searching for another gospel? In other words, are we looking for another, another way or another answer to all the world's problems? And, you know, it's, it's understandable when the world operates in confusion and chaos because they are living in an act and acting without God as their Lord. But has the church abandoned the remedy for the world's dilemmas? Have we, have we abandoned the, the, the remedy that God has given us in the Bible? And we may, we may not have done so intentionally, but I believe our actions and the way we act can prove to be our greatest indictment, the, 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 way, that we, the, the, the way that we look at the problems that the world faces. So... Paul addressed this in, in the, um, in the, to the Galatians in the, in the book of Galatians. He, in chapter 1, Paul said, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And Paul said there are different gospels. Some translations say another gospel. And if you read, if you study the history of when the letter to the Galatians was written, this Paul wrote this letter at or around 56 A.D. And A.D., and a lot of people believe that that's when Christ was, uh, was uh, resurrected and returned back to heaven. But A.D. is really the, in the, is the year of our Lord, is what it means. And it's the, year, it's the year of Christ's birth. 
So if you take into consideration the, the life of Christ, and when Paul wrote this letter, Paul was astonished that the church in Galatia had abandoned the gospel only 23 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How much more has the church abandoned the gospel over 2,000 years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Just, just, a, just a short period of time, Paul was already addressing the need to remain focused on the gospel. So, does the Bible really have the answers to fix every problem the world faces? Does it really have the answer? Is there, is there, is there only one solution that can solve every need? Is that really true? Yes, there is. And the answer is Jesus. And I titled today's message, Look to Jesus and Live. Look to Jesus and Live. And you know, y'all might remember that saying that, that K-I-S-S, keep it simple, saint. We're going we're gonna to say keep it simple, saint. We ain't going to say the other word. But really, I believe God is calling his church to keep it simple. To not complicate the, the, the power of the message of the gospel that God has already given us and the message that has already proven to work and, to, to, and proven to be true. So how can something so simple be so powerful? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. That's how it can be so simple and yet be so powerful. He is the only answer for the world. Some of you might remember the the song by Andre Crouch, Jesus is the Answer. The lyric says, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. If you have some questions in the corners of your mind and traces of discouragement and peace you cannot find, Reflection of the old past, they seem to face you every day. There's one thing I know for sure, that Jesus is the way. I know you got mountains that you think you cannot climb. I know that your skies have been dark, you think the sun won't shine. In case you don't know, I'm here to tell you that the word of God is true. And everything that he's promised, I tell you, he will do it for you. Let me tell you that Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. How, how profound a song that is and how true it is. And again, yet, 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 so, yet so simple when, when we look at the Bible and what God has done for us. But the Old Testament book of Numbers um, gives us a picture of salvation in Jesus. And I've said this before from this pulpit that I'm always fascinated on how the Bible connects the Old Testament with the New. I mean, to me, I just, I love that. It just, to me, it just, it, it just proves prophecy, that, that, the, that the prophecies are true. But, but we can go all the way back to the Old Testament and we can connect the things that happened all the way back there with the things in the, in the New Testament so I'm going to look at a story here, and some of you are familiar with this story in Numbers chapter 21. 
But this story, of course, the people at the time when this happened, they didn't realize what it was that God was announcing, what, 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 what the message was that God was giving. We do now because we have the New Testament. We understand Christ. But listen to this story here in, in chapter 21. It says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the, that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. See, the Israelites, as they had done many times before, began to murmur and complain. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's not a good place to be to murmur and complain against God. That's not a safe place to be. That's probably something you don't want to do is complain, is complain against God. But these people that were complaining, these are the same people that when Joshua and Caleb told the people that we can go and possess the land that God had already told them they would possess, these are the very same people that said we can't go. They were afraid because of the giants, and God said that your generation was going to die out, and you were not going to be able to possess the land that I was going to give you. So they were in the condition and the predicament that they were in because of their unbelief of the, to believe that God could do and give them what God said he would give them. It was because of their, because of their sin. So the Bible says that because of their complaining, God sent venomous snakes to punish the people. And I don't know about y'all, but the, the image and the vision of this to me, I, I hate snakes. I don't like snakes. My son, Lee, I don't know what the deal is. He's got a... He, he, I wouldn't say he loves snakes, but he's not afraid of snakes. And I guess that's, that's probably a good thing. But anytime I see a snake at the house, I'm, I'm, I'm always wanting to take a picture and send it to Lee to ask him, is it okay to kill this? Because if it's not poisonous, he's going to tell me don't kill it. I don't like snakes. I can't stand them. I don't care if you tell me they won't hurt you. They're good for the environment. I don't like them. And the image that this story gives of God sending these snakes, imagine this. These, these venomous, poisonous snakes among the people, and they, they were biting the people, and they were dying because of it. But, but just the thought of a snake, that God allowing these snakes to come amongst the people like that, is, 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 is just, I don't like them at all. And the, 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 vision, the vision there is, is, is not good. But they were being punished. God, God was punishing them. And many, many were bitten and died, the, the, the story tells us. But the Lord instructs Moses to do something really strange and odd, if you think about it. He, said, he, he instructed Moses to, to make an image of a bronze snake, take the snake and place it upon a pole, and then, then, then take that pole and erect that pole and place that snake upon that pole high above for all, for all the people to see. And, and, and the Lord told Moses to tell the people, now listen to this, all you have to do is look at the snake and you'll live. Now, that probably didn't make any sense to the people. 
It was probably something that they didn't really understand. But it, it was simple, yet, yet it was what the Lord had instructed Moses to do. But this event in the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of Jesus and the salvation that he would bring. And, um, you know, many of us are familiar with the exchange in John chapter 3 that Jesus had with the Pharisee named Nicodemus. Y'all know the, 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 the exchange that he had there. And uh, that's where we get the, the verse that most everybody in the world that really that isn't even Christians can quote John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the exchange where Jesus said that. But just prior to verse 16, Jesus mentions this passage in, in Numbers 21. In John chapter 3, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his, own, his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this, this is amazing to me, that again, that Christ can take from the Old Testament all the way back in the book of Numbers and draw something as he's, as he's speaking to Nicodemus and bring the, the event that happened in Numbers to, to, to show Nicodemus that that event was foreshadowing the coming of Christ and the salvation that he would bring us. So what, what are the parallels of Jesus and the story in the Old Testament? Well, we know that when, when, when Jesus said, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, Jesus was referring to the cross, to the crucifixion, that the Son of Man will be placed on the cross and that he would be lifted up before, before, the whole, before the whole world. The Bible says that Jesus became a sacrifice for sin for us. He became sin, the Bible says. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So as Christ hung on that cross, he became a sin sacrifice. He, he became the, he, he replaced my punishment, my penalty for my sin. And the Bible says that, 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 that he became sin for us. He, he became that punishment. So, so let's look at this and see the, how we see Jesus and the salvation in this, in this story here. In verse 6 it says, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among the people, they bit the people and many Israelites died. And the first thing I believe we see here is the world is suffering because of sin. The world is suffering because of sin. You make no mistake about it, no matter what place you look, no matter where you turn or what it is that, that is happening in our world today, the root of everything that you see in our world today that is bad is sin. That's the root. That, that's where it comes from. The Israelites were punished for their sin. They refused to believe and trust God. Therefore, the Bible says that God sent snakes to punish them. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. I don't care how religious a person is, how godly someone, every single person the Bible says that has ever been born except Christ has sinned. Everyone born of Adam has sinned. We all have we all have the sin, the sin nature. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, or some translations say the payment for sin is death. But not only physical death, eternal death, the death of your soul, the death of your spirit that is lost forever. We, we are eternally lost 
and dead and separated from God because of our sin. And you know, I often hear people say, and even some Christians even ask this question, why does God allow all the terrible things in, that take place in our world? In other words, why, why, does God, why does God allow allow those things to take place? But really, I think we're looking at that from the, from, the wrong, from the wrong perspective. It's not that God is allowing these things to take place. This is what we have chosen to do. We, we, no, we have, we, we have chosen to, to ignore God. We, we have chosen not to accept God. We, we have chosen to say, God, I don't want you. So it's really not to say, God, so much, why does God allow these things to happen? It is a result of sin. It is a result of the fact that we are not acknowledging God. We are not acknowledging his salvation. We are not acknowledging who Jesus Christ is. We only need to look to ourselves. It's not, it's not that God is allowing these things. This is a result of sin. This is the depravity of sin. And my wife and I look at this all the time when we talk about men and you look, you look at the Taliban and you look at doctors. How can a doctor that says he's really a doctor, a physician, how can someone who is a physician perform an abortion? You understand the anatomy of the body more than anybody on the planet. Yet you can go and do that and with a clean conscience you can say that's okay? That's sin. The root of that is sin. The Taliban going out and destroying and killing innocent people and, 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 just, and just, just murdering people like that. That, that. The root of that is sin in their hearts. They've rejected God. They've rejected the truth of who God is. So it's not God allowing these things to happen. These are a result of man's deliberate choice to choose to disobey God. Our disobedience and rejection of Jesus is the reason for all the evil in our world today. How much of the world's problems could be solved if everybody was a Christian? I mean, I'm talking not, not just a church, I'm talking a Christian. You wouldn't, theft would be, you, you wouldn't have no more theft. You wouldn't have no more murder. You wouldn't have any more racism. Think of all the things that could be solved if, if the planet was, was completely saturated with believers in Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it, the world is suffering because of sin. That, that is why the world is suffering. The Israelites were suffering because they refused to trust and believe God. Instead, they complained to him and the result was the snakes biting and killing them. Then look at verse 7. It says, The people came to Moses and said, We sinned. We spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The next thing this story shows us here is the world must confess they need Jesus. The world must confess that they need Jesus. See, although the people sinned, they did turn and do the right thing. They humbled themselves and they confessed to Moses, guess what? We sinned. We complained. We were wrong. We understand this is why this is happening to us. We, we are confessing. We are humbling ourselves before you and asking you to pray to God to remove these snakes from us, to take away the punishment. So really, there's two things that are shown here regarding salvation. The first thing is confession of sin. 
See, the world must acknowledge individually that they are the ones who have sinned. It's no excuse. In other words, the world can't point fingers at everybody else. The world needs to acknowledge and agree that they are the ones who are the sinners, that they have sinned, that they are wrong, that, that they humble themselves before God and they confess that they need Jesus Christ. And then they need to confess that Jesus is the answer. See, the people came before Moses. They confessed that they had sinned. And then what did they ask Moses to do? Pray to God. Go to God. Go to God for our salvation. Go to God for our answer. Go to God for our deliverance. So we need to confess that we have sinned. And then we need to also confess that Jesus Christ is the answer for our salvation. See, religion is man's attempt to remove sin. That man, man thinks that, they, that, that he can remove his sin by works. But the Bible said it's not by works that we are saved, but it's by faith. It's by grace, through faith that we are saved. It, it, it's, it's by faith. The world must confess that only Jesus can save them from their sin. And, you know, really, this, this is an illustration that Jesus gave in the parable of the prodigal son. And, y'all, if you know the story of the prodigal son, he, he, he squandered everything that his that he had asked his father to give him, the, his inheritance he had taken soon. He went into to a wild, uh, wild country, to, the Bible says, and he squandered everything that he, had, that he had. But the Bible says he came to his senses. This is in Luke chapter 15. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your higher servants. See, the prodigal son was given us the direction that we go in to go to Christ. We humble ourselves and we confess that we made a mistake, that we were wrong, that we sinned, and that we need Christ. He confessed that he needed help, that he was a sinner. But look what the Lord instructed Moses to do after the people confessed their sin. In verses 8 and 9, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The next thing this story shows us is the world needs to look to Jesus and live. The world needs to look to Jesus and live. See, notice that Moses, uh, God did not give Moses any instructions for medicine. He didn't give him any kind of remedy or man-made remedy or whatever. God gave Moses something that made no sense. And I believe if you really look at this closely, God was announcing that salvation was by faith in Christ and faith in Christ alone. And if you look at the story, the people came to Moses and they asked they said, Moses, pray to God. What did they say? That God will remove the snakes. But notice, that's not what God did. God didn't remove the snakes. God said, make a bronze snake and place it on a pole. God was showing us that salvation was by faith in Jesus Christ. It was by faith in Christ is what, what, God, was, what, what God was showing them. But the, the, the instructions didn't make any sense. But all the people needed to do was simply look at the serpent and they would live. See, salvation on Jesus alone to a lost world doesn't make sense. See, for me to stand here 
today and confronted with all the things that we are faced with in our world today, for someone to actually stand and say the answer for every one of them is Jesus makes no sense to a lost world. But that's the truth. That salvation in Jesus is the only answer. And God has not called the church to abandon that message. That is the message that God has given, that God has given the church. God was announcing his salvation by faith that it was not by works. See, Jesus said, so much the Son of Man must be lifted up. See, this was a picture of the cross that Jesus became our sacrifice. He became the curse of sin, and through him we are forgiven and free. But listen to this. The bronze serpent only offered physical healing. Jesus gives us eternal healing. See, God told Moses, tell the people to look at that bronze serpent. And what did, what, did, what did he say would happen? They would live. They would live physically. But when we look to Jesus Christ lifted up on the cross, we live forever. Amen. See, look to Jesus and live. That, that's what God was announcing. God was announcing salvation in Christ. It's not just temporary life. Yes, we get life here. Jesus said, I have come to give you abundant life and give it to you now. But we also get eternal life. Amen. See, the world needs only to look to Jesus and they will live. COVID is healed, not just physically, but all who receive Christ will never die. Look to Jesus and live. If the Taliban and Afghan people will look to Jesus, God will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. I tell the people of Afghanistan and Taliban, look to Jesus and live. That's your hope. That's your salvation. Yes, America needs to come and provide safety for them with our, with our armed forces that, that I know that we can do. But the only salvation that is going to come to Afghan is through Christ. Look to, look to Jesus and live. If women and men would look to Jesus, abortion would be eradicated. For their, for their desire would be to love, not murder the baby God has given them. That's the answer to abortion. Yes, we need to pray that laws get changed and men's hearts change, uh, change laws. But that is really not a permanent solution. Jesus is a permanent solution to abortion because Jesus changes hearts. Once the heart is changed, abortion is removed. Because all of a sudden that mother understands that that's a gift from God. That that's a blessing that God has given that mother in that stomach. That's a blessing. It's a child. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is not my something. He's my everything. We got to get this church. We, we got to stand on the promises and the truth of what the word of God says. The church cannot be moved. We will not be shaken. None of these things will shake us or move us. Nothing that has happened in the world has changed my position in Christ. I'm saved. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter how many viruses they find. I'm saved in Christ. I'm secure. That does not change. Jesus is not my something. He's my everything. The church cannot abandon the good news for another gospel. The only hope for this world is Jesus. Period. That's the only hope. That's the only message. It might sound simple, but that's the Bible. The gospel is simple. That's the way God has given it to us. Look to Jesus and look what you receive. 
Look at this. We can put those up, the, the, those things there. Um, look, look what we get. Jesus declared these things of himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You get the way. People don't know where to go. They lost. They confused. They, they, they helpless. They hopeless. They, go to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He'll give you the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Only Jesus will satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the road that leads to life. He is the prince of peace. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. God was announcing. Those people, Moses, they had no idea what it was that God was telling them. That God was saying that there was going to be a coming Messiah that was going to come, that was going to be erected on the cross. And God was going to say, look to Jesus and live. But not just live physically, live eternally, eternal life. Look to Jesus and live. I recently obtained a copy of, 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 of prayer confessions from Brother Rod Aguiloyd. Some of y'all know Brother Rod Aguiloyd. He's a, he did pastor a church in, um, in reserve. His son Stephen now pastors there. But, but it's, a, it's, a, it's like four, four pages front and back that Brother Rod gave me this, and it's, it's a, something that he has attached to his everyday prayer life, and I've taken this and made it a part of my daily prayer. I've, I've placed those pages before me, and I, I take everything that's on those pages that's printed, and I confess these things before God. I, it's, 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 it's prayer confessions. But the part that I like the best and what Brother Rod gave me is the part that is called strength confession, and it's who we are in Christ. And this is the confession I pray and believe every Christian should confess. So we can go ahead and this is it here. Jesus Christ is my strength and my life. He is my health and my healing. He is my wholeness and my holiness. He is my courage, my conviction, and my compassion. He is my life, my love, and my laughter. And then the next slide there. Jesus Christ is my father, my friend, my fortress, my rock, my redeemer, my refuge my justifier, sanctifier, my glorifier. He's my presence, my purity, my power, and my purpose. He's my peace, my protection, my prosperity, my present help in the time of trouble. Church, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is everything we need. He's everything. Don't abandon the gospel. Don't abandon the simplicity of the gospel for another gospel. Jesus is the way. He is. He is our salvation. So to a lost and dying world, the answer, the answer is simple, yet it's powerful. That if you are sick, look to Jesus and live. If you are afraid, look to Jesus and live. If you are bound by addictions, look to Jesus and live. If you, if you are lost and confused, look to Jesus and live. Jesus is the answer. There is no other way. There's no other salvation. He's the answer. So we, why do we get excited? Because we have the answer in this place. We, we are sell, we, this is really a celebration that we have, we have accepted the truth. We should be rejoicing when we walk into this room every, every Sunday morning. We've accepted the truth of who Christ is. Now we are called to go back out there and promote and preach and teach the gospel. Nothing else. I'm not saying don't protest, but the, pro the gospel comes ahead of protesting. The gospel's first. That's the first thing we do. Look to Jesus and live. Don't you love that? Yeah. 
See, imagine how excited the Israelites were when they realized, if because see, the snakes still bit them. They prayed to Moses, take away the snakes. God didn't remove the snakes. God gave them salvation. But they, how excited were they when they looked at that bronze serpent and all of a sudden when they were bitten, they, they lived. How much were we, in spite of our sin and everything that we've done and our wretchedness and our wickedness, how much more excited should we be when we look to Jesus? We live eternally. We have eternal life. We, we should be smiling. We should be jumping. We should be rejoicing. Not a fake, false type of love. It should be a sincere, heartfelt joy that's deep inside of our hearts that is a river of life flowing out of us that this world will look at us and say, they should notice there's something different with us. And they want to know what it is. And that gives us an open door to share Christ. That's the answer today. Don't abandon the gospel. That's the answer for the world today.